Welcome to Two Sides and a Biscuit. I'm your first side, Paul Schroyer. And I'm that second side, Rick Wimmer. How's it going? Thanks for joining us. How's it going, Rick? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's going. It's been a crazy, just crazy life, pretty much, for 2018. Eh. Well, this is the podcast to talk about that here at Two Sides and a Biscuit. It's your... Uh, Tribute Limp Biscuit podcast where we talk about life, Limp Biscuit, and then Rick gives us a recipe. That's right. We got um, lots well, of good recipes here. Oh, I thought you were about to tell them. I was like, let's save. Don't <laughs> blow the lead. Holy shit. Well, right. I mean, we we you got to do the music first, right? That right. like it's right. The biscuit. The biscuit. Well. We're the two sides. We're the, the two music's sides. The biscuit. Biscuit. Like, gotcha. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, we got some good news. We finally got our email figured out. Right. Yeah. That was that was a fun time trying to figure all that out. I mean, we're only on our third episode. Yeah, very true. Like, uh, do you know what the email? <laughs> do you know what the email is? Isn't it two sides with a Z? Biscuit. Two sides biscuit at gmail.com. Sides has a Z in it. The two is the number two, and then biscuit is spelled like limp biscuit. So two sides biscuit at gmail.com. Or you can just head over to Magic Squirrel Network and shoot us a message that way. Right, whichever's easier. I mean, we've been trying to get this, figure out this email, and it's like, well, you, you can't always contact us through the Magic Squirrel Network. Right. And uh, we're up on magicsquirrelnetwork.com, so you can head over there, and our email will be up on there. So that might be a little easier for people to find it. Right, that email is like, it's it works, but, you know, it's not the easiest to remember sometimes. Well, I'm excited about uh, this episode's Limp Biscuit song. Uh, I, I picked this week's uh, song out. And it's one of my favorites, so I am pumped to talk about it. Right, and this is one that um, I, I I know it, but like it's one of those like it never really hit that note with me. You know what I mean? Like well, it was never like yes, that is the song that I want to hear from Limp Biscuit. Right, because well, well, we'll get into it. Let's talk about life first. Uh, you got a new kitty cat today, didn't you, Rick? Yeah, we did, actually. Um, like, sad news is that, you know, our cat of six years, well, my wife had had him for six years, and I've known him for five-ish, so about the same time. Um, but he passed away. He had um, end-stage kidney failure and so we had to put him down it was like you you hear people talk about it and they're like he was fine and then like he just got super skinny you could feel his spine and a week later we were just like well we we had to to do what's best for him right it they told us that um if we were to try and do anything he would have had to have spent days in the hospital and they would have daily had to have 
given him like an IV. Like literally stuck a needle into him ourselves to give him an IV uh, and it's like, man, quality of life at that point is just Right, not I'm a really human good. and I don't know if I'd even wanna go through that you know <laughs> like, right no i i definitely know with the whole like taking shots every day right you're, di- diabetic, you're diabetic like, yeah. so you gotta take insulin shots every speaking of which my nephew just recently got the pump i mean he's a he's a lot young a lot younger than we are a lot younger but he got uh he got the pump put on and he seems to like it uh we joke with him because he's got like a sensor in his shoulder which relays the blood sugar information to the pump that he has to carry in a fanny pack which hooks into his pancreas well it doesn't really go into the pancreas anytime you deliver insulin it's just subcutaneous so So it just goes under the skin right yeah and so yeah he's got that we always joke with him now that he's like turning into a cyborg and an android and shit because he's got all these like robotic parts on him and he doesn't have to really do anything other than make sure that the insulin vial in his pump is filled and put in his car like input his carbs that he's about to eat and then that's about it and then it does all the work for him right that's something that like i've always looked into but it's super expensive if you don't have insurance that's going to pay for all of it right my my sister-in-law is an rn for a hospital so she's got pretty good insurance so right yeah it's i mean it it's kind of funny though that you like tease him about being a cyborg because i've always said that i wanted to get a pump so i could be a cyborg i mean he pretty much really is Right, like legit a cyborg. Like there's mechanical pieces that are making his body function. Right, that's crazy. Yeah, and like the, I always always used to joke too, like um, I'm medically undead because like if you think (laughs) about diabetes, if you look at it, it was like, uh, I want to say like 40s, 50s when they actually realized like, oh, we can produce insulin to give to these people in shots like we can take it from pigs and give it to people so like up until then people just died from diabetes like you if you were type one especially you would have no chance whatsoever because your body has no insulin and so they would just die from it and like i'm medically undead because the medical science made me live yep and in high school, we used to chant, take it in the neck, and then Rick would take his insulin shot in the neck and on, like, the school bus and in the cafeteria. And right. Stuff. I remember doing it, like, in, in restaurants. Like, we oh, would yeah, go yeah. On, on trips with, like, marching band and stuff right. and, like, take it in the neck right there, like, middle of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we still kind of do it to this day, but it's not as often. Right. And... <laughs> And with, like, pens and stuff now, it's not so easy. Like, you, those needles are so small, they just bend when you try and do oh, something God, like that. that suck. Well, we're not talking about cyborgs. We were. Now let's get into the Limp Biscuit song. What do you say? That's what we're really here for, is the Limp Biscuit. Now, the reason why maybe uh, this song isn't... Uh, 
a big part of your life is this the song we're about to talk to came out in 2005 and it is off of the unquestionable truth part one which was released in 2005 and i'm pretty sure like we kind of really like i wouldn't say we stopped listening to limp biscuit but like i know i like cut down heavily about oh three oh four around that era was when they kind of went on the back burner. i still would always play like their first cd or the second one but any of their newer stuff they were coming out with, especially the stuff without West Borland, which we will get to those songs. But right. and I was just thinking that too. Like, when did West leave? Like, cause is that like was that '03? You know what I mean? Uh, like, that's a good question. Uh, well, West Borland left Limp Biscuit in 2001. Uh, he had been. They started Limp Biscuit back in 1994. So that's crazy. Like they didn't even really get big until like I'd say like 98, 99. So they must have been around for about 4 or 5 years before they really Well, right, but I mean like most bands are like that. You know, you start out and you just get a, a group of friends, a group of people and you just kind of start jamming and you got to work together to make music. You right. know what I mean? So West Borland uh came out with a band called Big Dumb Face in 1998 and then decided to quit Limp Bizkit in 01, did a bunch of side projects, rejoined in 2004. The song we're getting ready to talk about was the first song Wes Borland re recorded with uh, Limp Bizkit when he, they got back together. Uh, if you've never heard Big Dumb Face, check them out. It's got a song called Mighty Penis Laser. It's a bunch of like auto-tuned midgets. It's really weird. <laughs> check right, it out. right, yeah. Definitely check that out. Like, I, I mean, West Borland is freaking awesome, but like, it oh, so yeah. is everybody else in the group, too. They're like, well, I mean... Yeah, well, they do what they do. They, they right. all have their part, and, like, they, they do a good job DJ, at what they're doing. Yeah, they, I mean, so let's just go ahead and get into it. Uh, the song I'm getting ready to talk about, like I said, off The Unquestionable Truth, Part 1, 2005. The reason it's Part 1 was they ended up signing with Cash Money Records, Little Wayne's record label. And they were going to come out with an unquestionable part two. And I don't think that ever was released. But we'll find out. Right, we will. They, that's, I mean, two sides in a biscuit. We're, we're, that's what we do. We talk about Limb Biscuit. We right. see what, what, what's going on. And um, I was going to say digest some lyrics. Like, kind of. We break them down. We break down and like, yeah. you know. We're breaking down these songs. We're getting deep into Fred Durst's mind and what exactly is a Limp Bizkit. Even though I do know exactly what a Limp Bizkit is, and I don't know if we should say it on this podcast, but we probably will. Anyways, the song we're doing, and the reason why we're talking about West Borland, like I said, this is the first song they recorded when they got back together. Uh, this song is... I wouldn't say it's like West Borland heavy because West Borland... Like, he doesn't really go crazy on the guitar. He writes real catchy, real simple riffs that just rock. Especially, like, his breakdowns. 
and the bridges that he like comes up with are fucking like they just rock. Right. I mean, you're right. Like it's totally true. He is freaking amazing. But like, I first time I had seen the video, you know, we just um, just watched, watched it, it a second ago, yeah. right? And um, like he did kind of. I could see the whole thing where it was a problem where, like, well, I don't even know what the problem was and why he left, but it looked like kind of like he was kind of taking spotlight because he was coming back, and, like, right. I think that's kind of where him and Fred Durst butted heads, and, like, they I, both kind of wanted that spotlight, and he was just like, well, I'm done. I'll go do my, do a different band. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. what was it? The big dumb face and like then they were just kind of they came back together and the video it, there's a few times where like they kind of look like they're still having that same feud a little bit but i am glad that they did you know keep working together and make some kick-ass music well uh here's an article by loudwire.com it's called west Borland clears the air after dissing limp biscuit and the band's fans so apparently, uh, you know, back in the day, I guess from what I'm reading, like he kind of got into it with Fred Durst and he thought the fans were a bunch of posers and shit and so he quit the band. And so... Right, that's one of those like... I. I mean, I guess if you're really that mad at the fans, maybe something happened, you know what I mean? Like, everybody's human, so it's like, maybe something happened where it was just like, somebody pissed him off, or a group of people pissed him off that were fans, and so he was just like, you know what, screw this, I'm done, I'm gonna go do my own thing with Big Dumb Face, and, like, you guys can do your thing. And, and uh, yeah, apparently, he doesn't like new metal music at all. And that's, that's pretty so he was, funny. That was but, like his biggest thing. But like after quitting it, he said it, 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 he pretty much has Limp Bizkit AIDS. Uh, I went back to Limp Bizkit because it felt like I couldn't get it out of my blood. So he's like, I started this band with these guys. I've known them for over 20 years. And it just didn't feel right not playing with them anymore. And so he made amends with them and got back together. Makes me curious, like, I'm going to keep doing this too, like, what, what is the, um, like, his actual, like, what he wanted to play? Like, it, was it jazz music? Was it, you know, if he's not down for the new metal, then what was it? I mean, that's probably something I would have to, we'd have to ask him, like, hey, so... Shit. Listen to Big Dumb Face, you'll find out what type of music he's I, I guess that's very true, you, you would find it there. But, like, uh, he goes on to say, like, you know, he, t he gets it, he knows a ton of people don't like Limp Bizkit, and they think the band is a joke, but then there, there is a really strong fan base that's great. And it's always been something he's been a part of on and off, but it's always been his band, whether he likes it or not. So pretty much he was like, he missed it. He missed it. Because Limp Bizkit was fucking huge back in the day. And I guess he, you know, he, he felt like he was, it was more of a sellout thing. 
like the band, the band did sell out. I will say they did fucking right, sell that, out. Right, that's yeah, and definitely. That was the downfall of the band, and I think Wes Borland knew it, and so he left. And then once Limp Biscuit started doing underground shit again, I think he wanted to be a part of it again. You know, because they still play music. They still they got. I'm pretty sure they got a new CD coming out. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm almost hundred percent positive. I did not know that. So, uh, it's called Stampede of the Disco Elephants, and the release date is to be announced. So, uh, it's the first album since DJ Lethal left Limp Bizkit back in 2012. I mean, we're going to get into DJ Lethal. He's fucking incredible, too. And I did not know he left Limp Bizkit in 2012, so that's something else to get into. Makes me wonder if he is gonna be on this album. You know what I'm saying? Like, right? What are they gonna do? Uh, maybe they're gonna go take it back, get rid of the DJ. Like, I don't know if they. I mean, with West Borland on the guitar, like, with the people that they have, like, they could probably do it. I. I'm curious if they got another DJ, though. You know what I mean? Like, did you find someone to fill the shoes, or what are you guys doing? Right. Uh, There is uh, some interludes and some stuff posted on YouTube from March of 2018 regarding Stampede of the Disco Elephant. So if you guys want to check out that new album, we'll we'll get into it. As soon as that album drops... We're going to pull probably two songs. We're probably going to just talk about that album for, for a full epi- one full episode, I'd imagine, once that thing drops. I mean, I'm excited. Just finding out about this, I've got a boner. I don't know. It's weird and Rick out being in the studio with me right now, but hey. Right, it is kind of strange, but like, I mean, I'm pretty excited too, but just not that excited. excited. Like, I, I will, you... Can do your thing, and I'll just kind of, you know. Um. All right, well, let's take a quick break and go, and then when we get back, we'll finally say the name of the song. If you haven't guessed it by now, some of you guys who know Limp Bizkit probably know the name of the album, but mm, some of you might. We'll, we'll tell you when we get back, when we'll get into the song and the recipe for the week. All right, and we're back. I just realized during that break, you guys probably figured out the name of the song by the title of the episode. Right, they <laughs> kind of give it away a little bit, like, just a little bit. So we are uh, we're talking about the truth, 2005 Limp Biscuit song. Uh, so before we get into the lyrics of this song, I wanted to play. A little bit of the intro, uh, because the bass player, I think, fucking kills it on this song. He's not doing anything crazy. He's just laying down a solid, good fucking bass line. That real funky, like... Dude, it's so good. And then Wes Borland comes in, and... Yeah, so you got anything to say, or do you want to just get into the clip? Let's just get into it. Like, it, it is, like, you're right. Like, that. it is pretty um, amazing what they 
they do here. So, like, let's just get into it, and then we can uh, look at these lyrics and uh, talk about the truth. Alright, it starts with a little bit of feedback going. I like the bells, too. Like, I guess that's gotta be DJ, DJ Lethal, like... Mm. Dude, that bass just comes in. It is. Right, he really is laying that down too, though. Oh like, yeah. He's just on it, like. Then the drums come in like heavy as fuck. Like they're just doing the toms right now, building up. It's building up. I mean, how can you not, like, bob your head to this? Right, it really does. You're just like, yeah. That is an amazing, like, musically they are great. Oh, yeah. So good. Alright, we're going to cut this off. Oh, well, but it gets so hard, like. <laughs> right, you, you just jump into it like, let's get heavy. Let's do it. Alright. Uh, I want to cut it off, but I'm getting into this, Rick. I don't know. Right, I mean... Alright, and then that's uh, that's where Fred Durst comes in. Right there. So, are you ready to get into these lyrics, Rick? Let's hear them. Let's see what, what Fred <laughs> is talking about here with the truth. Did we name this segment? What do you mean? Did like we... the the part where we read the lyrics and poetry style and discuss I, it like a poetry reading? Do we... I don't. I don't think we did. Like it's just kind of it's two sides in a biscuit, and we do what we do. All right. All right. So it starts out. You can't sleep. You're restless. You're slightly obsessed with falling too deep. A malfunction. You're a virus whose intention is fucking up something. So he's pretty much saying like, you know, I, you know, obviously this dude can't sleep. He's obsessed with something. Like, he's thinking, you know, obviously bad thoughts about himself. That he's a virus. And he just wants to fuck something up. And he's restless. <laughs> right, I mean, I mean that, that is basically like, the lyrics for a lot of Limp Bizkit Biscuit songs are just kind of like, man, this is so messed up. Like, we need to go and just fix ourselves by destroying something else. Yeah, it's it's like anarchy music, almost. Yeah, kind of. Like, they just kind it's of... It's not like punk... It's not like a straight up, like, punk anarchist type shit, but it's it's kind of the same mentality, like... There's something wrong with me, but it's a cause of it's a societal cause that can only be fixed by destroying everything. Right? Yeah, pretty much. Like uh, that is kind of. I think that is what hit home with a lot of um, well people our age when Limp right. Bizkit came out. It Teen, was with like, a bunch of teenagers going, right. you know, hormones going crazy, pissed at the world, want to watch everything burn. And here's Limp Biscuit saying, hey, it's all right to let everything burn. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's better to let it burn because 
I mean, it's a disease. It, it, we have to do something to fix the disease. All right, so Fred Durst's verbal abuse continues. You're a crater on the face of a problem much greater. So he's saying, like, like whatever issues are keeping you up at night is tiny. You're just a crater. You're just a little tiny speck on the world's problems. Like, th there's a bigger issue than your bullshit. Right. It's the violence, or lack thereof control, body and soul, digging a hole. There he goes with those rhyme schemes that he likes to do. <laughs> he, he does. He does. Like, yeah, that really doesn't make too much sense. Body and soul digging a hole. I guess it kind of does. Right, I mean, you're... I don't know, your body and soul, they dig the hole together and then maybe... The, the, lack, of the, body. the lack of control and violence. Right. It's yeah. just di you're digging yourself a deeper hole because you can't control your fucking self. Right. You, you started digging and you're just going to keep going. Right. Enjoy the pain with accepting your grief. Are you finished? Dumb fucking question. Don't let yourself fall asleep. Now, what do you think... So, like, he asks a question, and then he says it's a dumb fucking question. So, he's like, are you finished digging yourself a hole? Well, that's stupid, because, like, don't let yourself daydream. Don't fall asleep. You're daydreaming. Like, you're not finished. Right? I mean... Well, let's, let's see what else he says. Resurrect the intention. Once your vision is now mass-produced, imagine the insults of blessing. Imagine accepting the truth. Basically, like, what I got there was just, like, he, that insult's a blessing, but that's because, like, you you need to learn from that. Like, this, this person that insulted you is like, hey, you know what? Screw you because of this. Mm -hmm. And so now you need to be a human and accept that truth the and then try and fix it. Yeah, right. The only yeah. way to change. And, yeah, so he's pretty much, yeah, right, yeah. That's pretty much, you know, I think he's saying, like, this person has, has violent tendencies that keep getting himself in trouble. He's digging himself a grave, pretty much. Man. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> he thinks, when he thinks he's done digging the grave, no, you fucking idiot. It's just getting started because you, you, you're, you haven't changed. You haven't accepted the truth yet. Right. You, you haven't done anything to accept that truth. You're just digging that hole. Right. And then, so he goes on with the hook. Uh, imagine accepting the truth. Imagine He does that three times. Then he adds a, just imagine accepting the truth. Imagine accepting the truth. That so, just was important. Right, right. It was. Like, you, you had to make sure you heard Just that. imagine it, dude. Come on, bruh. Just imagine it, man. Can you imagine if you accepted the truth that you're a piece of shit? Could you fucking imagine it? That's what he's saying. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Like, just imagine that, like, what these people are saying is the truth that you are just pretty much some garbage. Garbage. We're garbage people around here, pretty much. All right, so he goes on. The pendulum swinging. Hypnosis is taking control. Now you linger on a shadow of doubt. Have you really figured out what you're all about? So, it's like... He's just saying, like, you know, you're kind of, everybody's just kind of like zombies out there. Right. The, the pendulum's swinging. Time keeps ticking, 
and the pendulum's swinging, but it's 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 putting you, uh, it's hypnotizing you. Yeah. And you've got to really figure it out. Like, what, what was well, the last little bit of it? Like, have you ever really figured out? Oh, uh, hypnosis has taken control. Now you're now you linger on a shadow of doubt. Right. So. You've got that shadow of doubt, that little bit that's like, I mean, guilty beyond the shadow of a doubt. But like mm-hmm. you, you're you're saying you've got that shadow of doubt, so you're like, no, I'm not guilty. Screw that. You guys are talking some BS. Like, it, no, like bring me some truth, and maybe I'll think about it. Right, and I would I would say it's fair to say that most people in the world haven't figured out what they're about. It's very true. I I, I still don't even know what I'm about. Like, <laughs> right. I work to make money to survive, but it is not what I'm about. Hey, this sounds like it's talking directly to you, Rick. It just might be. Like, let's go on. Let's see. Let's see how much more this fits with you. Maybe this verse is your verse, Rick. It could be. Because I wouldn't say the violent tendency part. That's not you at all. You're <laughs> at all. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so yeah, maybe this is, let's get, let's keep going. Don't trust your instincts. Just open the chamber where you keep those darkest regrets. All the things you've done wrong, rebellious at heart all along. So, uh, you know, it's saying like, okay, so it says, don't trust your instincts. Just open the chamber where you keep your dark. So it's saying, uh, it's to, he's actually saying don't trust your gut on this which usually most people say to always trust your gut see but I'm one of those people like I don't have a gut instinct like huh. I, I just don't I'm just kind of like well what are you going to do let me <laughs> give me actions instead of like my gut telling me like that this is this person's cool this person's whatever like I, I've never it's very seldom that I do. Every now and then, you know, you get that gut instinct, but it's just because, like, uh, it's more almost a, a visual instinct. Like, it, you see someone that's just fits this uh, thing. Right, basically. Yeah. yeah. Like, and you, everyone's been programmed to accept stereotypes like you can't get around it you can try your hardest but it's not possible and you know i mean honestly though if if you come over to me and you're super skinny you got um pick marks on your face because you've been (laughs) doing whatever i'm not gonna give you some change like that is just like no i am going to judge you before i know you that's trust in your instincts it's a form of trust in your instincts right it it is it's just you know it well i never feel it that way with somebody that i'm just talking to like it's somebody that i'm just comfortable with right exactly well fred is saying don't trust those instincts and he's he's saying take a look inside like quit don't don't look outwards look inwards Open that chamber with your darkest regrets. You know what I'm saying? Like, look inside yourself. Look at all the things you've done wrong and the fact that you've been rebellious all this whole time. But then he goes on to say, Is your leader a voice? Somehow you replaced 
Oh, well, okay, let's let's stop with that one because then it, he kind of switches this up into like, uh, it almost is like, okay, let's read it. It says, is your leader a voice? Somehow you replaced all your game with a debt. Now the payback's a bitch. Why owe your life to a bitch? So I kind of am thinking this verse is about almost about corporate America. Like it, the pendulum swing, corporate America's swinging the pendulum. They've got you hypnotized and zombified. You're out there walking. You don't even know who you are anymore because these corporations are telling you what to buy and what to get. And so they're telling you like, hey, don't trust that shit. Your instincts are telling you to buy stuff, to do this, that you have to be rich. Don't trust that shit. Look at yourself. Look at all the shit that you've done. And think, like, has your leader just been a voice this whole time telling you what to do? Has there been a voice telling you, buy this, do this? And then it says, you've replaced all your game with a debt, meaning, you know, you can't pick up a chick unless you're flashing money around. You know what I'm saying? You you don't have game. You don't have game to go out there and talk and be accepted by people without money. And so you've accumulated all this debt, but that payback's a bitch. Interest is a motherfucker. That's where they get right. you. They've yeah, got man. you now. Right. And it's like, why owe your life to a bitch? Why owe your life to a corporation who doesn't have your best instincts? They say they got your best instincts at heart, but they really don't. What do right. you think, Rick? No, no, I definitely agree. Like it's it, you. It does kind of seem like it is kind of corporate America saying like, you should be this beautiful, you should be this handsome, you should be like all of this that you can be, but you need to buy our product to do yeah. it, or you need to get credit in order to buy it, and we'll give you the credit. But but you owe us a twenty eight percent interest on top of that credit, and now you're stuck paying on it fucking fifteen years later. And was that really worth it? Probably not. <laughs> right, definitely not. That's I. You just can't like going on credit like it's. It, you it's so bad because you have it's, to do it though like it's it is kind of like but he's saying Fred Durst against it right Fred Durst says it's absolutely pathetic and regret it when you told you were made of mistakes imagine the insults of blessing imagine accepting the truth so he's like yeah like you said like it's pathetic you you've now you owe the your life is owned by this corporation because they'll take all your shit if you don't pay the bill and you owe your life to a bitch. Right, and, and the worst part is just that the bill is not even like what you paid for. It's for them loaning you money. Like, it, Rick, uh, this isn't a financial I know, podcast. I know. <laughs> we don't care about your financial issues. Than- Look, if you guys... Anchor's got a donate button. Rick seems to be in a lot of financial trouble right now. <laughs> Just go ahead and donate a dollar a month. That's all it takes to help get Rick out of this financial burden that is seemingly possessing him, but that's for another podcast. Right. It's even worse because like, it takes me to a meme that I saw uh, with Star Trek, and it's like... 
Uh, I know. Like, uh, we're Rick, Limp Biscuit, but we're going to start. Rick, like, Rick, Rick, imagine accepting the truth. Imagine accepting the truth. I, the imagine truth, accepting the truth. Imagine accepting the truth. I have accepted it. I know but that then, I am just like. So uh, I just said to the chorus. <laughs> he repeats about five times. But then he says two times after that. Now speak to your leader. Now speak to your leader. Like now that you see the truth and you see how fucked up the game and the world is actually is. Now is the time to stand up against those lead, quote unquote leaders and tell them like this is bullshit. So then he goes on to uh, do a little prayer. Your father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Your Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. He repeats this two more times before going back into the chorus. I don't understand. That could be like he's taking it to the churches too. You know what I mean? Like he's or saying, he's praying for change. It could be. Hold on. He let's, says, your let's Father, see. who art in heaven, saying you're God. He's not even taking ownership of God. He's saying, you're God. I don't know if Fred Durst is atheist or not. Uh, that I don't know. But he, he, what he's saying is, you're God who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. So, and that's, he just repeats that a few times. So, it kind of makes me think, like, looking at the world today, like, maybe he was almost prophetic with, <laughs> like, his lyrics here where it's like, because the separation of church and state, all that stuff, and, like, people want to say, like, oh, if we bring God back into schools, if we bring God back into, you know, the the government, things like that, then it's going to fix things. And it's like, no, no. Like, because the Christian God, and uh, that might not even be what he's looking at, but most deities are just like, be good to other people. Like, don't kill, don't steal, yeah. don't do things like that. Be good to other people. It's what you should do as a human being. doesn't matter what God you're worshiping, but whatever. So you're thinking, because he pretty much ends this song with that. He, they go back into the, uh, the hook, imagining accepting the truth. He repeats that about six times. That's the end of the song. Uh, a lot of cool guitar riff breaks in there, rocking out. Badass song. So you're thinking he's ending with the God quote, like, is he saying, like, maybe God is the only one who can truly save us from the truth we've created? Or is it more of, like, a death thing? Because isn't that, like, the saying they say when people die? Right, I kind of feel like it's more of, like... I know it's like a do, Catholic thing, right? That's like a Catholic saying. The, what oh, do you mean, the... Our Father who oh, art in heaven. Oh, yeah, 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 that, that's like the Catholic the kingdom prayer. come, yeah, thy will, will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Give us our, no, this is like the shit you say like when you're breaking bread. This is like the, give it's us our great. day, our daily bread, and forgive those who have trespassed, or something like, I don't know. But, right. So, like... This is the Lord's Prayer. He, that's what it's called. The Lord's yeah, Prayer. Right, right, right. And so he ends the song with the Lord's Prayer. 
What? Do you think he just did it because it sounded cool? Part of me feels like he might have just did it because it sounds cool on the hard rock beat. Right. I mean, that's uh, it's new metal, so it's kind of like, yeah, they they do do things like that. But I mean, if you want to think about it the way we are now, like you know, you listen to the song, and you don't think about it this much because you're not actually reading the lyrics either. Right. You know what I mean? You're just listening to them. Yeah, they've got the rhythm, they've got, you know, different things like that. Um, but, like, sitting down and actually reading them out and thinking about them, like, it could... I, now, this song's pretty deep. It's got us stumped with this Lord's Prayer at the end. But, let's go back to our first episode. Is this song deeper than Nookie? Or is Nookie still the, the deepest cut song that Limp Bizkit has put out there? Or do you think we just way overanalyzed? You know, I, I think <laughs> I think we way overanalyze everything a little bit. Maybe. And like, maybe we give too much credit, but maybe it really was. Like, maybe he really was thinking up these lyrics. I mean, leave us I a, can't say. Right. Leave us a comment. Uh, let us know what you think on iTunes. Give us a review. Let us know. Are we overanalyzing Nookie, or is Nookie still the deepest, most thoughtful song that Limp Bizkit has put out when you actually sit down and analyze the lyrics? What he was saying in Nookie was, I mean, it was pretty fucking deep in between those very short verses that he had on that song. You know, it was mainly a hook repeated over and over again. The verses were two very short ones. This, you've got two long ones that the second verse kind of loses sense halfway through. The first one towards the end kind of lost sense. And then you've got the Lord's Prayer at the end for, I think, theatrical effect. Right. Because that's also one of those things where, like, you know, it's the first song that they tried to put together when Wes came back. They just wanted to rock. Right, exactly. You can tell by that song that they just fucking, they came back together and they just wanted to rock. Right, <laughs> and then, you know, they threw some lyrics in. So, you know. So it's like every other Limp Biscuit song. Well, <laughs> it could have more could. meaning. I don't know. Just it, now I'm wondering, did Wes Borland write this or did Fred Durst write the lyrics to this song? Because you know Wes Borland wrote some of the lyrics to some of the songs. So Wes Borland did a lot of everything for, for some of the songs. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, But yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Like, It makes me curious like who he, did, like, actually he, wrote them. Did Wes Borland come back like, look, I got this song I've been working on. Listen to it. And let me know, and he like played it, and Fred was like, "This is the shit," and so he learned the lyrics, and he probably changed. I'd imagine he probably changed, like at that part where he's like the slow and the flow and the go, and you know, that's totally a Fred Durst thing. Like I know that that little section was for sure. All right, so that's the truth. Why did we pick the truth this week? Well, last week we were talking about Rick and his vegan diets that he was putting out. On what was it? The Kegels? No, that's keto. Keto, right? Like, Kegels vagina. Kegel, right? That's like strengthens the muscles and all that stuff. And so we said we were gonna have a bacon-filled, greasy recipe for you. And I think Rick 
And we can, we're the truth. We told the truth. I think Rick's going to deliver. I have personally ate this dish that Rick's about to talk about, and it was fucking delicious. Right. Well, the, see, the thing about this dish is that it doesn't really have a recipe. It has, like, its own kind of... Like, I can give you points and tips and things like that because it is baked mac and cheese. It is, you know, you can do so many different things with mac and cheese that it's one of those, you know, you do your thing, I'll give you some pointers, uh, but you make it good. Hey, hey, send us a message. Let us know um, if my pointers helped or not. Um, I do want to see pictures of people making some of these recipes for sure. Right, that would be totally awesome. Send whatever you got, you know, if you like our podcast and like these tips, like the recipes, whatever, like the songs, you know, send us a message. Um, but basically, what it boils down to is you... Um, I hope there's no boiling involved. Or wait, it's well, mac and cheese. You're yeah. right. Like, you gotta boil those noodles, otherwise it's gonna be gross. Like, crunchy mac and cheese is never good. So do you start with a box mac and cheese, or do you go out and get your own macaroni noodles? Oh, no, no, no. You gotta get the elbow macaroni. Like, whatever brand you want, the big box. I want to say it's maybe a pound yeah, of usually. elbow macaroni yeah. that it comes, comes in. like in. a bag or whatever. Uh, well, it's, you know, the big box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just elbow macaroni. And um, so I get one of those. Um, and then cheese is your choice. You know, whatever you like. Uh, my wife likes mild cheddar. I'm a pepper jack guy. And I will always say that Colby Jack is good because it's, you know, the, the sharpness of the cheddar and the mild of the Colby and you kind of mix it together and it's just good. Um, but you take your box of macaroni, of course you boil it, um, and then you take, what I normally do is I will put some butter into a pot. Uh, up to you. How, how much butter do you want to put in this mac and cheese? Um, but put some butter in a pot, melt I'd it down. I'd say probably at least a, uh, what's a, a stick? It, at least a stick of butter? It doesn't even need to be a stick. It's more like... You can do a quarter, which I believe is a tablespoon. Yeah, each quarter. But, yeah, right. The you do like a quarter of a stick. Put it in there, melt it down, um, and then you want to add um, cream if you want. Okay, so the secret is to use sour cream. Um, when you add the sour cream, it adds that tanginess to and all of thickness. the macaroni. Right, yeah, and it's like kind of that, um, just like, it builds up the the sauce to make it thicker. And you can use whipping creams or heavy cream for this as well, but it doesn't get that tang. And that's what I really like in the mac and cheese, is the tang of it. So I use, um, usually the, I want to say it's a 16 ounce as well. No, that that doesn't seem right. But the the regular tub of sour, sour cream. cream. Yeah, like, I think it is 16 ounces. It might be, but like, you know, so cuz you've use... got the small, medium and large and you want to use the medium one. Okay. And it's you just throw that on top of the butter 
and then dump whatever your choice of cheese is in. Um, I usually use uh, two bags, like two of the uh, bags of shredded cheese, and I put it in there. And, you know, your choice. Uh, stir it all together. Get that cheese melted down. Then add in the noodles. It, it is 16 ounce. You were okay, right. 16 yeah. ounce yeah. sour cream. Is um, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're, you're good. Uh, but then you add in the noodles to the cheese. Um, any type of seasonings that you want to add to... Uh, put that in before you add the noodles. Uh, just because otherwise it gets stuck to the noodles and then it's one noodle has a bunch of seasoning, the other ones don't. Um, so mix it in with the sour cream and all the. And the cheese, cheese as you're melting it down. You know, if you want red pepper, if you like spicy, if you just want to throw some garlic in there. Uh, my thing, I like to use green onions on the top of it. I don't add too many spices to the actual cheese. Um, black pepper, salt, taste. A little bit of mustard, because mustard also adds that tang to it, you know. So it's a little bit of dry mustard powder. And then you, well, I guess while you were doing this, you should have been cooking up some bacon. Right. Um, I usually chop it up before I cook it. I find it easier to do it that way. Um, it cooks faster that way, too. Right, yeah. And, like, I actually, for the fourth, I used a whole pack of bacon. I took and split it in half, though. Because what I did was I added half the pack to the cheese and the noodles. And then I used the other half of the pack to top. And when I made this one, I actually put sour cream in the middle of it. I was not so much a fan of it because I didn't think to put the shredded cheese on top of that, too. Yeah. I think if I would have put the sour cream and then the shredded cheese and some bacon on top of that and then layered it again, almost making like a mac and cheese lasagna, right? it would have been a lot better because it did get kind of dry because I didn't use the sour cream as much in the cheese. I saved half to put in the middle. Um so if you're going to do that, use the 16 ounce in the cheese and then get some more for the extra layer. Right, yeah, definitely. If you're going to layer it, get you need more than that 16 what, ounce. What should cream. people be preheating the oven to for this bad boy? Um, Preheat the oven. You can go, like, the best is 350. Okay. Um, and then you put it in for, like, 15 20 minutes just to heat up the mac and cheese make sure the because you've already boiled the noodles and you've kind of melted the cheese and everything so it's already kind of been cooked a little bit you, right even the bacon's been cooked, cooked already right. you know what i mean so it's like you don't have to cook anything you just have to warm it all up together let um, it meld together type exactly and then like you 15 20 minutes and then pull it out and i always add another layer of cheese on the top and then the green onions and that's the best way to do it like it, it is absolutely delicious it is amazing right and the, the best part it was about gone. it it was gone on the <laughs> fourth of july when when rick made this 
it was gone. Right, like, it was it was the first thing gone too. Mm. Everybody was like, "No, that mac and cheese smells amazing," and I want that. Like, so yeah, Rick, you know, I, while you were going through this recipe, um, is there any more to add to it, or is that that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like the 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 great thing, the thing that I love the most about it is that. You can make it different every time. I mean, I, I brought it over 4th of July before last, and it was different it was than different, what I right? brought this time. I think this year was probably the best. I think if you did the lasagna layer like you were talking, like the sour cream and cheese and then another layer on top of it, I think that would be banging. Maybe even put a little bacon in that middle layer. Right, yeah. Like, I... I want to say I put a little bit. I don't even remember, right. but yeah, you're you're definitely right. You need to. It was a a test, and we got good mac and cheese. It was still some good mac and right. cheese, but oh, yeah. you know I could always improve on my recipe. So there you go. There's a like we said a bacony, greasy, amazing fatty dish for you. Uh, and I mean, I guess if you don't use too much butter, I mean, I guess it's. Depending on how much butter you use depends on, you know, just how fatty it, it is. I mean, you still got the bacon. And, and the sour cream, sour too. Cream. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, mac and cheese High calories. Is just right. Yeah, definitely. But uh, I have an old family recipe that my grandma, my grandma always made these things. They're called candy apples, okay? And they're one of my favorite dishes my grandma's ever made. I think... To, uh, not next week's episode, because I know you already got a dish prepared for next week's episode. I think two weeks from now, I think I'm going to do a recipe segment. Are you okay with that, Rick? No, I'm totally cool with that. That puts less pressure on me. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm cool. So, yeah, you just got to come up with a song for Red Candy Apples. Hmm. <laughs> That's... I mean, you don't have to do it now. Interesting thought, right? right. Yeah, but uh, I will definitely take a look into that and see what I can find. All right, guys. This has been The Truth, 2005 Limp Biscuit. I think we did it. I, I think so. So you all have a wonderful night, yeah. day, yeah. afternoon, whenever you're, you're listening, listening to this. Like, subscribe, share, tell uh, word of mouth. We don't pay for advertisement. If you're enjoying Tell somebody else about it. Uh, the bigger our community, the more we can talk. I would like to get a Limp Biscuit, Two Sides and a Biscuit uh, fan group going on Facebook or something, and we can all chit chat about Limp Biscuit. And yeah. or recipes, or, or recipes, or just life. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Go ahead and um, send us a message. We'll definitely. Be in contact with you as best we can. He's Rick Wimmer. That's Paul Schroyer. This has been Two Sides in a Biscuit. <laughs>